Hi, welcome to Reset Your Mindset by Life Stance Health. Myself, Dwight Thompson, and my co-host, Nicolette Lianza, will bring you conversations with leading Life Stance Health professionals who will help guide you on your journey to positive mental health and well-being. At Life Stance, we believe in the three pillars of mental health, mental flexibility, mindfulness, and resilience. Welcome, everyone. Today, Nikki and I are joined by one of our colleagues, Catherine Babcock, who is a clinician based out of our Zinesville, Indiana office. And we're really excited to have Catherine joining us today um, to talk about a lot of things, but um, primarily um, substance abuse and how COVID-19 is impacting um, folks that have a history uh, of struggling with addiction. Um, so before we get to that, Catherine, welcome. And uh, would you mind telling us a little bit about yourself? Sure, sure. Thanks for having me on. Um, So my name is Katie Babcock, and I work with the Zionsville office. Uh, I just started there at the beginning of this year. And prior to that, some of my experience has been uh, as a school-based therapist, and then as an addictions therapist uh, working at an IOP here in Indianapolis. Uh, So two kind of different zones of experience that now um, I'm getting to use both those kind of working with different client groups, which is great. Uh, And I'm also a registered art therapist. So that's actually how I got started in mental health um, is as an art therapist. So I still am a registered art therapist in addition to being a licensed mental health counselor, which comes in handy sometimes. Absolutely. Um, You do have a very unique perspective um, given just kind of the past places that you've worked and some of your different roles. Um, So why don't we dig right into it a little bit? Uh, Katie, how do you define an addiction? You know, the easiest way that I usually explain it to clients when I'm talking about addiction is the three C's. So looking at whatever it is we're talking about, if we're talking about a substance, um, you know, alcohol, some kind of behavior, do you have cravings to use or to engage in that behavior? You know, strong cravings that you're experiencing. Uh, That's the first C. The second C, do you lose control when you use this? Meaning sometimes you have a drink and you have a lovely evening with friends and it's a great time. Other times you have a drink and you wind up with a DUI and no memory of the evening and you have no way to predict which way it's going to go when you start. Mm -hmm. Like once Mm -hmm. the substance is on board, there's a loss of control. Uh, And then the third one, which I think is really the most relevant one, is continuing to use despite consequences. So you're experiencing consequences of some kind Mm. due to, you know, family is concerned about you. Legally, there's an issue. You're in trouble at work. You know, if you're a kiddo, maybe your grades at school are slipping. Emotionally, you're not feeling great about yourself. Like there's so many different kinds of consequences you can experience. But if those are starting Mm. to pile up and you're still choosing to continue engaging in the behavior, that's a big red flag that addiction is what we're talking about. Yeah. Wow. That's 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 really insightful. Thank you, Katie. That was just a brilliant definition to help everyone understand addiction a little bit more. And, you know, it's a, it's a good lead into talking about just during this time of COVID and the different safety measures we're been trying to practice, how difficult it can be for people struggling with addictions, um, struggling with eating disorders, things like that, to maintain their recovery during this time. You know, a lot of the, the things they might use to help themselves in their recovery process, um, might be a little bit more difficult to do. So 
know, as we continue with this topic for you, can you tell us a little bit more about the different types of addictions? Sure. You know, I think we traditionally think of addiction as drugs or alcohol, and that's certainly a very prevalent addiction. Uh, but I think if we look back at those like three C's, if there's anything that could fit that definition, you know, uh, sex mm. addiction, gambling addiction, like any behavior that is causing harm, and that the person is unable to stop engaging in, despite the consequences that they're mm -hmm. experiencing, I think can be seen as an addiction. You know, I think we throw that word around sometimes. And li like, my husband will joke that I have a chapstick addiction, right? Which, yes, we always have a chapstick <laughs> with me 100% of the time. But, it's, right? but the chapstick <laughs> causes no consequences in my life right? Like that's the big difference. Gotcha. But if there is some kind mm -hmm. of behavior that someone's engaging in that is causing them harm, but they continue to do it despite the consequences, I, I think you could call that an addiction. Okay. Makes mm -hmm. sense. Yeah, that does make sense. And um, so you brought up a good point of recognizing that certain things um, obviously are just more detrimental and do have those consequences. Um, what would you say uh, to someone that's trying to figure out like, what are the first steps to really even recognizing those consequences and being mindful of them? You know, I think it requires just a willingness to, to look inward and some awareness at like, what are the actual impacts that I'm having because of this? You know, I used to work, um, I used to run the, the addictions IOP for the teenage population. And as you can imagine, that was a difficult uh, population to reach sometimes because they could not really see that connection between here's the behavior and here's the problems it's causing. So I do think it's helpful to like broaden up what is the definition of consequences and really get into like, mm. how is this affecting your relationships with other people? How is this affecting how you handle your emotions? How is this affecting how you feel about yourself? You know, it's not just legal or job consequences, mm -hmm. for example. So Catherine, uh, thank you for, for your insight so far. Um, I really think that with everything going on in this pandemic, um, this is a very relevant topic, talking about um, people that are struggling with addiction. And, and this, can, this is not, I mean, it's unprecedented mm -hmm. for everyone. So this is not something that, you know, is necessarily built into your treatment plan or, or the coping skills that you may have learned um, while maybe going through treatment mm -hmm. for addiction. This was not something that was going to be implemented because no one, obviously could have seen this coming. Um, so we, we do appreciate your insight on that. Um, one other, another thing that we are looking forward to discussing is how people struggling with eating disorders are impacted during this time. Um, that is certainly an area that um, may, you know, might not be at the forefront of people's minds, um, but that COVID-19 is definitely impacting um, people struggling with eating disorders or who have had a history of struggling with eating disorders. So coming up, we're really excited to be joined by another one of our colleagues, Melanie Schaefer. Melanie, welcome. Thank you for joining Thank us. Um, we're really excited to have you here on the podcast and really happy to have your expertise um, incorporated into this conversation. So before we get a little bit deeper into eating disorders and, and uh, that topic, would you just mind telling us a little bit about Sure. Yourself? I'm originally from the Cleveland area. We're currently living south of Dayton, so in between Dayton and Cincinnati. Um, big Cleveland Browns, Cavs, Indians. <laughs> and I know, and I know Dwight right. shares my Cleveland love. 
Um, Absolutely. I, same here as well. I'm I'm from Cleveland as well, Melanie. And I understand you're an Akron Zip. You graduated from University of Akron. Nice. Same here. So oh, we're fellow Zip. Always get so excited. Um, I'm surrounded by <laughs> University of Dayton grads down here and my husband included. So it's always nice to find a fellow Zip. Um, yeah, so <laughs> I, so that kind of is, that's home. But um, I kind of fell into eating disorder treatment in my dietetic internship and it's just kind of gone from there so it's something that I feel very passionate about very strongly about and um, it's certainly a a topic that hasn't come up with COVID-19 but my clients I'm seeing clients getting more and more affected as time is going on. Sure. Um, and, and so, Melanie, as one of our registered, as our registered dietitian in, um, and as you mentioned, you're, you're mm-hmm. down in Dayton now, um, you know, I, I, as I've gotten to know you, I, I've certainly been able to, um, it's very clear the passion that you have um, for eating disorders and, and mm-hmm. for the recovery process yeah. on that front. Can you, you started to allude to it. Could you tell us a little bit more, a little bit more about how, um, Actually, before we get to that, would you mind, for, mm-hmm. for those that may not know, how would you define an eating disorder? So I, I define eating disorders, they are biopsychosocial diseases. Um, much like alcoholism or, or addiction, these clients have a genetic predisposition. And something in their life, whether it's trauma or a series of traumas or an illness, something just turns that switch on. We all have the capacity to develop an eating disorder, but for a multitude of reasons, they end up being a way for clients to cope. And similarly, they are effective for them, for the clients on one hand, but ultimately it's affecting their mental health, it's affecting their physical health, it's affecting their social lives, their ability to connect with their loved ones and friends. And mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. any type of anxiety about food, an overvaluation of weight, exercise, um, where it's not just one aspect of their life, it's the only mm-hmm. thing in their life is food, weight, exercise. Wow. And, um, so with that being said, that, that's a great explanation. Um, and with that being said, how are you, what are you hearing from clients that, um, that are saying that COVID-19 is impacting them? Um, how exactly is this pandemic impacting those individuals? I am, I'm seeing a variety of ways. And, and initially I wasn't seeing really a whole lot, but maybe some increased anxiety. But as time has gone on, we've seen more just the isolation, how much that's impacting them and impacting their anxiety, depression. Um, It's been canceled events that clients were using as their motivation. Um, So that's Mm -hmm. been a huge factor. Also just, you know, you were dealing with sometimes food not being available. So I've had clients where they had Mm. a meal planned and that's not available and they're just not able to switch like, okay, I'll just get this instead. They don't have that ability to be flexible 
So their, their ability to plan um, is and just grocery shopping in general is very stressful for them oftentimes. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing that I'm seeing, and I know a lot of the therapists are working on is just the inability to, to regulate their schedules. So like their schedules are all off oh, and that can make a significant mm-hmm. impact. The ability to get up and get ready for the day breakfast and then snack and lunch and just you know our eating routine they have had a hard time figuring out what their schedule should be for them Mm -hmm. that's a good point that's a very good point um and and what are when you're looking at eating disorders and um you've brought up so many good points of the way that this this pandemic is affecting people that and candidly I didn't even think of I, I, I wouldn't even have thought about the fact that you know food availability mm-hmm. now has totally changed um, but everyone people struggling with eating disorders sort of are coming at it from a different perspective mm-hmm. would you mind giving us a few different mm-hmm. types of eating disorders? So we, there are the the two that everybody knows when they think of eating disorders anorexia nervosa and bulimia nervosa um, the latest DSM edition added in binge eating disorder which actually doubles anorexia and bulimia combined. Um, wow. wow. So binge eating, that, that is the majority of what I'm seeing right now as far as diagnoses. Um, and there's also kind of a catch-all category. It's called other specified eating disorder. And because it doesn't have the, the anorexia or bulimia that we all know, it doesn't get it gets kind of downplayed. Oh, it's, you don't have anorexia or bulimia, so I'm not that okay. sick. Um, but actually it's, it's as, mm-hmm. ha, has high of a morbidity mortality rate as anorexia or bulimia. Wow. Okay. And yeah. a lot of my understanding of, you know, working with eating disorders, so it's not my specialty, is that, that issue of control or lack of control, which definitely can kind of piggyback to Melanie, too, and, and the issues mm-hmm. of addictions, too. Um, and, and so during this time, and this is my question for Melanie, of like, what are some of those specific triggers of lack of control or whatever that you're seeing for, um, I'm sorry, for, for Katie, for from your clients regarding their addictions uh well you know i think the the biggest thing that i'm seeing is that like the one commonality across all the different kinds of addiction isolation is a part of that using an isolation feeling isolated that like terminal uniqueness where you believe you're the only one having this experience and the others could not understand it and that's why traditionally Mm. the treatment for addiction is in groups you know, group therapies, IOPs, 12-step meetings, smart recovery meetings. So if you take that away so that people aren't able to meet with others in person to get that support, that is a huge change in how we typically approach treating yeah, addiction. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, sure. And, and Melanie, um, kind of on the same front, that same question to you um, regarding the topics that you you're alluding to with eating disorders would you mind um answering yeah it's it's they're so similar addiction and eating disorders sure you know the coping and the and the control it's about how to deal with their emotions that they're not able to handle in a in healthy and effective ways so everyone's anxiety Mm -hmm. is heightened right now 
And clients, they just, they especially feel that um, they're worrying about their loved ones, their family. They tend to be very sensitive people so they can pick up on others' emotions. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, there's a a high um, rate of um, comorbidities as far as mood disorders, personality disorders, Mm -hmm. um, substance Mm -hmm. abuse, um, and I have got a couple clients sure. with right. um, OCD traits or diagnoses and the coughing, the sniffling, the idea of illness or germs is setting them off. No, oh, good point. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. I'm sure. I'm sure. And, and what I think is, is, is abundantly clear is there are so many commonalities between addiction and eating disorders, which is why Nikki and I are so excited to have you both joining us um, at the same time. Um, and, you know, with everything that we have sort of discussed so far, there's a, there's a healthy balance of understanding um, what is reality at this point and being mindful of the situation that we're in. But also there are some things where it can be looked at as it's not all doom and gloom. Um, there, there is some optimism in, in kind of what we're dealing with. Um, what are some tips or some pointers that you would give to people that are, um, accessible at this time and also can help um, someone struggling with what, what we're talking about. Sure. Like Melanie, we can yeah, there that. are so many virtual free resources right now. Um, one that I've re- recommended to a couple of my clients, especially even just in the last couple of days is um, on Instagram, there's at COVID-19 eating support mm-hmm. and it is worldwide. Okay support every two hours that are health at every size aligned clinicians that are offering meal support for clients. Yeah, because if you think about when the most anxiety provoking time of day for these these individuals is a meal or a snack. And to not have Mm -hmm. the support network Mm -hmm. that they might have had previously, that support can mean everything. Right. The National Eating Disorder right. Association, NIDA, they're doing a connection series and they're just like 10 to 20 minutes. You can do check-ins, there's resources, activities, presentations even. Um, and like myself um, and other clinicians, they're offering more access to them, meal support. Um, the telehealth has actually been... Sure. I, it's draining on one side because it's just very, you can't use your clinical intuition as much, but I've also have been able Mm -hmm. to be more creative in my, um, in my treatment with clients. So I think that's been helpful. Even though we've been more isolated, Mm -hmm. I've I've also been able to help in other different ways. Absolutely. Um, and you, one thing that you brought up, in some ways, we're, there's more resources mm-hmm. readily available. Definitely. Um, there, you know, people are certainly, you know, here at the, at our practice, it's, it's clear, you know, we've rolled out telehealth and it's gone, it's gone very well. And we're happy that we've been able to steadily be a resource for patients. But there's a lot of groups um, that have, you know, start, at the end of the day, what we're doing right. is we're just adapting to the times. Right. And um, there's mm-hmm. a lot of optimism to be said for that.
thank you for offering those great resources. Katie, on your end, can you share some resources for those struggling with addictions? Yes, uh, similar to, to what Melanie shared, there are a lot more online resources currently than there really have ever been before. A lot of the recovery community has made an effort to like move 12-step meetings online, for example. Um, so there are meetings happening over Zoom, like the recovery community is still there. Um, it's just accessible in a different mm. way. You know, and the other big thing that I'm really encouraging my clients to do is to create structure and routine, if at all possible, because one of the biggest triggers mm. for using is a whole day with nothing to do in it. You know, you're off work, you're off your routine. Right. And like you brought up before, you know, experiencing uncomfortable emotions that you don't want to tolerate during this time. Mm. That's a bad setup there for a potential relapse. So right. any kind of structure or routine exercise, positive coping skills that can be implemented um, is really helpful during this time. What are some of those positive coping skills? You know, skills? the same skills that you'd be using anytime in your recovery. It's just implementing them in a little bit of a different way. You know, staying connected to other people who are struggling with the same thing you are. Huh. Exercise, mm -hmm. a connection to a higher power or a spirituality, if that's your belief. If not, connection to something that is meaningful mm -hmm. to you. Um, meditation deep breathing, body relaxation exercises. Everybody kind of figures out what their own toolbox looks like for what really helps them deal with those moments of, of cravings and pressure to use. But it's critical at this time not to neglect those skills, but to build them up even more so because there are more triggers with what's going on. Right. So let me ask you both, If are there just a few bullet points you would offer uh, for clients or people struggling right now of takeaways they can do right now? So well, why don't we start, we'll jump back to, to Katie. I would say the biggest thing right now is just to stay connected. You know, we have to stay connected in a more non-traditional way than we're used to. But the worst thing that you could do right now is to isolate and stop doing what's been helpful up to this point. So staying connected to your normal recovery routine as much as possible and connected to others. Sure. Yeah, that's really excellent feedback. I think, um, you know, even just here, here at our practice, we've, we've tried to do as, as much as we can to stay connected. Um, and because there are, there are ways for us to all be separate, but also connected at the same time. Um, we're, we're fortunate to have a lot of the technology that we do and mm -hmm. some of the platforms that, that we have had. Um, Melanie, what about you? What, what would be My bullet points, points would be, well, I, as a culture, you know, I think we have to take a step back and examine our um, beauty ideals, which is happening on some level more now than it ever has, um, but also our relationship with food and this time of increased anxiety and stress, it might be causing people to turn to their eating disorder behaviors even more. Um, and people who maybe didn't realize they had an issue or who have never sought treatment before. And this would be a great time to utilize the, the telehealth and utilize all the resources that are being available um, for mental health um, because it's, there's there's a life worth living without eating disorder um, mm -hmm. or disordered eating behaviors. So I just there's there's always hope mm -hmm. even in this time of, of such uncertainty. 
Well put, Melanie. Well put. So I think this time more than ever, the potential for people struggling with relapse is even more difficult because of the social social isolation, because of boredom kicking in. And so I think the emphasis of really trying to motivate people to to get that help, to to ask for that help, to check out those online resources would be so key right now. And, and so I ask you both, like anything to piggyback with that and help motiv- motivating people to get that help. Why don't we start with Katie? Yeah. You know, I think that that motivation to get that help just has to come from, you know, am I unhappy with how things currently are? And if so, am I motivated to make a change? You know, mm-hmm. the, the thing that, that brings people to therapy in the first place. Um, and I, I also, mm-hmm. you know, one thing that has come up over and over again with clients in recent weeks here is that we've all been forced into this one day at a time mindset now. That's a big saying mm-hmm. within recovery because the thought of looking at the whole rest of my future without using that feels overwhelming. But if I can focus on today, that feels doable. Today I have control over. Mm-hmm. And this whole crisis has kind of forced us all to, to shift into that mindset because we just don't know exactly what the future is going to hold for us. But I think one day at a time is a really helpful way of coping. And maybe it's something that some learning that we can all take from this experience. Oh, that's a great point. Um, and it really doesn't matter where you lie. Um, you know, wherever you fall, whatever you, your, your respective walk of life is. Yeah, this one day at a time is that's exactly right. It's a, something we can all learn from. Um, mm-hmm. Thank you for that. Katie and Melanie, what about well, you? Relapse prevention, that's that's always super important, important in treatment because eating disorders are very difficult illnesses to treat. So kind of re-emphasizing and going over motivations, you might have to help the client come up with new ones if, if things that have been motivating them have been canceled um, and just the same thing. So similar to addiction, again, just that one day at a time, I often talk about um, what's that one right next step? What's that one right next move? If you miss breakfast, what's the next right step for you? Um, it's, you know, being more mm-hmm. present in the moment, not thinking same thing. Okay. I really, I can't have life without my eating disorder. It's been my companion. It's been my friend. It's helped me through so much, but being able to focus on the mm-hmm. now and not next week or a year from now, um, but staying present um, is really helpful for the relapse mm-hmm. prevention. That's that's awesome, mm-hmm. awesome insight. Thank you, Melanie. So we really appreciate both um, both of you joining us today. It's just been, I, I can't speak highly enough for your insight and um, just some of the um, feedback that you've given regarding these topics. Is, is there anything that you would, would say regarding the commonalities that maybe you didn't realize lied beforehand between eating disorders and addictions and vice versa? Um, is there anything that you, you know, maybe had a takeaway um, from this conversation hmm. that maybe you didn't realize beforehand? For either of you. I, if I might jump in to kind of get us started with that, I, I think it is that issue of control or lack of control over something. I, I think, Katie, you hit it on the head earlier when you're talking about that definition of 
of addiction and how that very much can play into one's eating disorder of feeling helpless with uh, of being able to control it, you know, and, and the triggers to it. So I, I think that commonality with the two right there of the issues of control and potential mm-hmm. for relapse. Sure. Guys, yeah. Probably yeah. Agree, yeah. Huh? I, I agree. There's a ton of, of overlap. And, and like Melanie was saying about, you know, my eating disorder has been my friend and it's been what's been with me on this journey. And it's how I've figured out how to cope with life. Right. Like I have heard many people talk about their relationship with their drug of choice in that way. You know, and it really is, I think it comes down to, Mm -hmm. this is how I've figured out how to tolerate my emotions and deal with life. And so to figure out a new way to do that is really challenging. And whenever you're in a stressful situation, like we are all now, uh, it makes it that much harder to do the healthy things for Mm -hmm. yourself and not slide back into old behaviors. Yeah. Oh, sorry. (laughs) And I know. Um, one thing, one thing that I, I bring up with clients too, is, is that, and one thing that I keep in mind for myself as a provider, that I'm not in the business of helping clients to change. I'm in the business of helping them to be more stable, you know? And so, you know, helping them utilize new coping skills, um, in times of stress and anxiety, it just, it's so much important, more important now than, than ever. And it just, you know, it's, it's the same thing with the addiction and, and eating disorders is it's just helping them to be more stable. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Well, we really are. I mean, we're just so grateful for all the work that you're doing um, and continuing to be accessible to clients is um, just incredible and important at this, at this time. Um, there's definitely a sense of you're right one day at a time. I know we're all very anxious to get back to at least some sense of normalcy, but um, it, you know, we're seeing the progress and we're getting there slowly, but surely um, and taking it one day at a time. That is just it's so simple, but um, it's just that that's as good of advice as I can even think of. Mm-hmm. Definitely staying present for sure. Well put. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Thank you guys Thank you for having yes. me. Katie Thank and you. for joining us. Thank you. So Dwight, my gosh, they were both such a wealth of knowledge and we could probably go on for hours about takeaways. Um, Let me just throw out a few that I'm literally taking away from our conversation today was one talking about those three C's. And I think those three C's could be connected to addictions or eating disorders of, you know, that first C being cravings, that other C being control. And then continuing to use despite the consequences. So I, I think that right there can relate to either, you know, eating disorders or addictions and how that can definitely increase the chance for relapse with people for sure. Yeah. Um, you hit it right on the nose and, and Melanie and Katie, they really were, they were, uh, their wealth of knowledge and um, th- their expertise in their, their respective areas is uh, very shines through very easily. Mm-hmm. Um I think one thing, one of my biggest takeaways was also the the control piece, one of the mm-hmm. C's that Katie alluded to. The control has been taken away from us mm-hmm. in so many ways, yep. um, or at least it feels it feels as such. But at the same time, we do have the ability to regain some of that control. There are, it's going to, lo- it looks a little bit different right now, um, but you do have the control to access 
resources, which is another one of mm-hmm. um, a big takeaway for me. Um, such stuff as simple as um, Melanie used the example of Instagram mm-hmm. and all of the social media platforms that are offering support um, to people struggling with all sorts of different things, including addictions and eating disorders mm-hmm. um, is there and, and taking control over, you know, having the sense of urgency to access those resources is very important. Um, and the two of them individually are perfect examples of people that um, are, are of service and are still available to help patients um, yes. as Katie is continuing to offer telehealth services um, out in, in, in our Indiana office. And same with Melanie offering telehealth services um, down in Southern Ohio, Southwest Ohio. Mm-hmm. So um, the resources are there. There certainly are just so many commonalities between the two topics that we discussed. Yes. Yeah, for sure. Even, yeah. And I mean, there were even some more coming up that, that I had not even thought of um, stuff as simple as like the importance of a regimented schedule. Yeah. That is very, that is essential. Um, and obviously schedules have kind of been flipped up on their head right now. Mm-hmm. Um so I, I just thought it was that from that standpoint, it was right. And I want to add that whole what they're both saying as well is that one day at a time. And that's all we can do, especially sure. with the schedules, all we can do and, and our routines being so interrupted, just take things one day at a time. Absolutely. Could not agree more. Sure. So, so Nikki, from a therapist perspective, um, what, what was what is your perspective um, given that the fact that you're one of our providers? Let me say this. This is a topic of combining both eating disorders and addictions together in one episode. It's actually pretty complex because either one could be its own full episode. Um, and so, and they're both very complex disorders, you know, working with people with eating disorders, working with people with various addictions. And so I think we just did s- such a key thing in, in showing the overlap and the similarities between the two. I think that was one of the key things in this episode yeah. that we did that was so important. Um, often when it comes to when we look at addictions, it is an expanded definition of just being addicted and not being able to control whatever it is, be it food, uh, pornography. I, I mean, the list can go on and on of what else encompasses addictions beyond substance use. So I think we did a great job showing how the two kind of showed the similarities for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. I could not agree more. That's well put. Um, and, you know, just kind of normalizing, I thought they did a, an excellent job um, of normalizing the, the anxiety um, that comes with this time and, and recognizing it and being okay with it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's kind of where there's that delicate balance of, um, you know, being mindful of the anxiousness that comes with everything we're dealing with right now in the nation, um, mm-hmm. but also taking it one day at a time. Yes. That is the most important piece right now. Yes, for sure. Thank you, everyone, for listening. We really appreciate you tuning in to the Reset Your Mindset podcast by Life Stance Health. Our podcast can be found on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Anchor, or wherever you get your podcasts. On behalf of the entire Life Stance family, we wish everyone good health and safety. And until next time.